Welcome to Living Through the Word. I'm Julian Dobbs, the Diocesan Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, and the host of this podcast. This week, I'm speaking to the Right Reverend Glenn Lyons, who is joining us all the way from South Africa. One of the great privileges of being part of a global communion, a global church, is the wonderful opportunities we have to meet like-minded brothers and sisters from partner dioceses and provinces across the globe who share our Anglican and biblical convictions. Bishop Lyons is the presiding bishop of REACH South Africa. That stands for the Reformed Evangelical Anglican Church of South Africa. And REACH South Africa is the official operating arm of the uh, Church of England in South Africa. Uh, Bishop, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you for joining us for this episode. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Great to have someone who's got an accent that's even better than mine uh, uh, to to share with us today. Um, Bishop uh, Glenn, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to faith, and how it is you have ended up in in Christian ministry. Mm. Well, uh, that's uh, a long answer, but I'll try and keep it uh, as succinct as possible. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but... uh, quite a religiously mixed background, Jewish on my mother's side, um, Church of Scotland on my father's side, which means naturally we grew up Catholic. And (laughs) for some strange reason, we ended up like that. And I, um, I kind of through most of my life was fairly nominal uh, in, in my early years, up until my twenties, I think Uh, in my early twenties, I, I kind of decided that I didn't want anything to do with any religion and uh, went off uh, just doing my own thing until I met a girl that I quite liked and wanted to marry. And uh, we weren't sure where to get married. And she eventually said, well, there's an Anglican church that my parents go to. Uh, Let's go ask them to marry us. Uh, And it was a Church of England evangelical church. Uh, and for the first time in my life, I walked into a church and actually heard the Bible uh, read in a language I could understand, which I hadn't in previous experience. And uh, for the first time, heard somebody get up and explain what the, the Bible meant uh, in a way that I could understand. And, and that was the first time I heard the gospel clearly, knew that I was a sinner knew that um, God had sent Jesus to rescue me from the consequence of my sins by his death on the cross. Um, And I needed to respond with repentance and faith. I did grapple for some time over that, but uh, God in his kindness brought my fiance and I to our knees on Ascension Day in 1993, uh, and we came to faith in Christ. My mother-in-law said she'd been praying for that and that she wasn't going to stop praying and she was going to pray me into the ministry. I thought that wasn't going to happen. But six years later, that did happen, and I ended up uh, going into the ministry, being trained at our college, George Whitfield College, um, and taking a pastorate in in a small city here in South Africa called Port Elizabeth, where we've served for the last 20 years. 
So uh, God answers prayer in quite amazing ways. Now I'm Amen. the presiding so, bishop. Um, I'm here. Wow. I'm hearing uh, thankful to Christ, obviously, for his call uh, on our lives, drawing us to him. Thankful for godly women uh, who um, uh, are prayers. Um, Absolutely. uh, And thankful for mother-in-laws, right, who um, (laughs) help to pray us into the kingdom and pray us into the ministry. I've got a faithful Christian mother-in-law as well, who is a great woman of faith and action. Tell us, um, Bishop, thank you for sharing that. Tell us a little, if you would, about the history of Reach South Africa, when it was founded, why it was founded. Just uh, paint that picture. Uh, Some may not be familiar with with your history. Sure. Well, uh, I'll give you the thumbnail uh, history. Uh, We're the Church of England in South Africa, and uh, that is our legal name. And uh, essentially, we we see ourselves as the Church of England in South Africa from the time Church of England services began in South Africa, which is in the 1700s when the British were around and the first English church services were done by the Church of England. Uh, but when uh, the first bishop arrived in uh, the 1800s, mid-1800s, Bishop Gray, um, he tried to pull together all of the different uh, parishes under his control, but he was very much a committed Tractarian and had a very, very strong Anglo-Catholic agenda for the Anglican Church in South Africa. And he eventually established in 1870 the Church of the Province of South Africa. Uh, But not every congregation joined. Some parishes stayed outside of that organization and remained the Church of England. Um, And those were our original churches. He he was quite um, forceful in trying to get a lot of our uh, our congregations to uh, fall into line with his Anglo-Catholic agenda. Uh, and many capitulated, uh, and eventually we were down to just a few uh, local churches uh, who struggled along without a bishop, without Episcopal oversight for many years, um, and gradually started planting churches and growing. And we went from a handful to a dozen, to 20, to 30, to 40. Uh, Eventually got our first bishop in 1950, Fred Morris, who was uh, a missionary bishop in North Africa, and uh, when he retired, he agreed to be our bishop, uh, which caused a lot of consternation because he was actually consecrated by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, and then he became our presiding bishop. Uh, and um, that caused quite a lot of hoo at the time. But he really actually did help us uh, tremendously to stabilize the ship uh, and, and grow our congregations. Uh, We've often said that he should be entered in the Guinness Book of Records because I think when he arrived, there were so many confirmations happening. I think one congregation, one of our Zulu congregations, had over 3,000 confirmations in one day. My goodness. So so, um, we certainly waited long and with great patience for um, some Episcopal oversight to come, and that was Fred Morris in the 1950s. And since then, we've grown. Um, We're now over 150 congregations in South Africa. Plus, we have uh, congregations in neighboring countries uh, in Namibia, Mozambique, uh, Zimbabwe, and Malawi, um, probably bringing us to around about 200 uh, churches. So God has been very kind to us, and we certainly have grown. 
Well, thanks be to God for that. And uh, my own history of being part of the Anglican Church in the Southern Hemisphere, I followed uh, a little of your journey and the journey uh, of the church, uh, which which uh, um, you give oversight to. Uh, just explain for us, if you would, Bishop, the difference between uh, the Church of the Province of South Africa and Reach South Africa. You mentioned it just a few moments ago, but just, just help us understand that that difference. So the Church of the Province certainly became the the, um, the recognized Anglican Church in South Africa. They maintained relationship with Canterbury. Um, uh, and we were we were very much sidelined. We held to a reformed evangelical position, um, but the, the Anglo-Catholic uh, position was far more trendy and popular, and uh, those connections remained, therefore, with uh, the Church of the Province, not with us. And the Church of the Province is certainly the larger body of Anglicans. It's not just Anglo-Catholic anymore. It's got... It's got some evangelicals. It's it's got a large Anglo-Catholic body, but it's predominantly liberal now, I would say. And uh, more and more of their dioceses are adopting a more liberal approach uh, to the sexuality question and and other similar hot topics that are uh, we're dealing with these days. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, thank you for helping us understand that. It's wonderful just doing a little bit of research on Reach SA and looking through your website and seeing links to various things like the 39 articles and uh, 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 documents and faith expressions, which are so similar to our own Anglican Diocese uh, of the Living Word. Uh, very, very, very heartening to see all that. Um, I'm, I'm also aware uh, that um, you and and the church have done some work uh, between the Zulus and the and the white South Africans. If I'm explaining that correctly, can you can you tell us a little bit about that? So, um, you know, every denomination has has uh, skeletons in the closet, and I think one of the complications that came with us was though we took a stand on a reformed evangelical uh, uh, position and hold to the 39 articles in the BCP. And the Anglican Church in South Africa definitely moved more towards a liberal or an, a, a stronger Anglo-Catholic practice um, and have gradually abandoned much of the original 39 articles, the positions that those 39 articles hold. Um, they did take a far stronger stance than us against apartheid. And that racial issue is an embarrassment to us in many ways. And one of the shameful aspects of our own history is that we didn't take a stronger position uh, as they did. Um, but strangely enough, the Zulu church has still stood with us in spite of that because of the gospel. Um, and uh, the Zulus are, well, certainly the largest tribe in South Africa. And the Anglican mission to the Zulus remained quite strong uh, for many years. Uh, and the gospel continued to be proclaimed in those Zulu churches for many years. And thankfully, in God's kindness, those churches have stayed with us. I, th I think membership-wise, our largest membership is Zulu. Is Zulu. Uh, and our, our oldest churches outside of the original mother church in Cape Town are Zulu churches who stayed faithful to us and faithful to the gospel. And we're very grateful for that. Yeah, that is that is a great thing, isn't it? A great great gift, and 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 we're we're also experiencing something of of uh, the great strength of 
at the multiplicity of races and nations. Uh, we we did um, some accounting just recently in our own diocese to to uh, think about the, the the various nations and races uh, races that are expressed in a number of our congregations uh, across the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. And isn't that just such a beautiful foretaste of heaven? Absolutely. Uh, when 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 you see that and you recognise we're all made in the image of God. We we have our cultures that express things slightly differently, uh, and yet we can all believe that. In Christ alone, we stand before before uh, the the living God. Um, talk to us a little bit, if you would, about George Whitfield College and and the part that that plays uh, in Reach SA. George Whitfield College uh, is the baby that's outgrown the mother in many ways. <laughs> in the nineteen eighties, uh, we really uh, started talking about the need to have our own training college. Up until then. Our ordinance were being trained in an independent uh, training college. But uh, we felt more and more that there was a need to have a distinctly Anglican evangelical training college. Uh, and a lot of that encouragement and support came from probably our strongest uh, partner outside of South Africa, which would have been the Anglican Diocese of Sydney. And I mean, there's a whole book that can just be written on our relationship with um, Sydney Anglicans and how many, many times they stood with us when many others didn't and provided help and missionaries and bishops uh, and support when uh, when it was desperately needed. And uh, we saw Moor College in Sydney as being a great model for us to emulate here in Africa. And uh, eventually, after a lot of discussion and synodical debate, it was agreed to establish George Whitfield College as a training college for our ordinance, and uh, Broughton Knox, who had just retired from Moore College in Sydney, came and became our first principal. At that stage, it was just a, a handful of students and a couple of lecturers. Uh, and we, at the time, we never saw it as being anything more, more than uh, a seminary for our, our ordination candidates. But in God's kindness and his plans are always greater than our plans. Uh, that college has become a continent, a continental college, a, a continent-wide college, so to speak. Uh, and now uh, uh, we have uh, candidates from Anglican uh, parishes and dioceses and provinces all over Africa uh, coming to be trained at Georgia Field College. And so about half of the students now come from our denomination. Uh, and the rest come from outside, uh, particularly from other African Anglican churches. So we're really grateful for that and praise the Lord for it because uh, we now have this a significant uh, Reformed Evangelical Anglican College in Africa that students from all over Africa are coming to be trained at. So we praise the Lord for that. Yeah, what a great uh, what a great thing that that is. I want to just uh, uh, remain on this uh, theme of education for a moment, uh, Bishop. If we can, um, you've you've mentioned more college. Uh, uh, obviously, my accent betrays uh, my own uh, connection to Australia and New Zealand, and uh, my great friendship with people like uh, uh, Archbishop Peter Jensen uh, and Glenn Davies and others. Um, uh, one of the things that Archbishop Jensen uh, has said, perhaps even on this podcast, is that one of the great tragedies of 
uh, the dissolving of orthodoxy in Anglicanism was when we lost our seminaries. And we lost our seminaries in the sense that we lost them to a divergent uh, doctrine, uh, revisionist, revisionist theology. And the next generation of clergy, young and old, were being trained uh, under what we might call anything but the uh, faith once for all entrusted to the saints. Is that one of the reasons why you've placed an emphasis on theological education? Just talk to us a little bit about that. Mm, sure. And we've seen this in history again and again. Um, the seminaries abandon the gospel before the churches do. And it's, it's something in us, in the sinful nature, that always seems to be looking for something novel or something different. Mm. Uh, and and that attractiveness, that uh, is another, another one of the many idols that can capture us. And uh, so we were concerned that... Um, uh, if we sent candidates to uh, secular colleges or other seminaries that we'd examined, which were clearly liberal, uh, we would we would just be um, handing them a poison chalice, so to speak. They would be they would be quickly mm -hmm. corrupted. And so we felt that the best way forward would be to preserve a sound, reformed evangelical Anglican base for training. And the only way to do that would be to to do it ourselves, uh, to select the right lecturers uh, to do the work um, and, uh, and, and not entrusted, so, so to speak, to an outside source because we see so often that that's where the corruption begins. Uh, and it has worked so far by God's grace. Uh, we, we've often worked harder trying to find lecturers that come out of pastoral ministry that have been rectors of churches themselves. Um, and as we've seen their academic abilities, we've asked them to move across to the college and take up a position there. Mm. So almost all of our lecturers come out of pastoral ministry, uh, and we prefer it that way, and we also work hard at keeping that relationship strong between the church and the college uh, so that the, we've always got each other's backs, so to speak, um, in, in, uh, in holding to the gospel, both in the in the lecture room and in the, in the pulpit. I'm talking to Bishop Glenn Lyons, who's joining us all the way from South Africa. He is the presiding bishop of REACH South Africa, the Reformed Evangelical Anglican Church of South Africa. Uh, bishop, it's great having you and great hearing what, what God is doing through you uh, in, in South Africa. Before we finish, I, I, I want to ask you how we can pray for you. But before we do, uh, talk to us a little bit about our, our growing partnership in the GAFCOM movement. You've been there, like many of us, from the very early days. You're seeing what God is doing uh, across the Anglican world uh, through the um, Global Fellowship of Confessing Anglicans, GAFCON. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and the way you relate to GAFCON and she to you. Mm. Well, uh, GAFCON uh, has been such a, an amazing uh, witness to the world uh, as Orthodox Anglicans around the world have found a place in which they can stand together uh, for the gospel, for reformed Anglicanism, for an Anglicanism that stands true to the uh, founding uh, documents of Anglicanism, the Book of Common Prayer and 39 Articles. And... Uh, and we were there right from the start, from the very first gathering, our bishops uh, were there in Jerusalem. 
and we've we've been involved ever since. Um, I'm I'm involved at the primates council level, uh, representing Gafcon South Africa, uh, uh, which is a great privilege for me and something I never expected to happen. But it's it's a blessing for us to be involved at this level, uh, especially since we were outside of the Anglican Communion for so long. It seems strange to us to have been left out. Incidentally, even Lambeth came about because of us. Uh, Lambeth came about because of the the schism between two bishops here in South Africa and and the the ructions that it caused eventually began it caused the Archbishop of Canterbury to begin Lambeth so that all the bishops could try and meet and stay on the same page. Uh, that that began because of the problems in South Africa, but we were never invited to Lambeth. Uh, and considered by many to be outside of of the Anglican Communion, and yet when Gafcon uh, formed, we were welcomed with open arms, and it was a great joy for us to see to see that. Many people criticise Gafcon as being schismatic, but actually our case uh, is an example of how unifying Gafcon has been, uh, and that actually uh, Orthodox Anglicans around the world are finding fellowship and communion in a way that we never had before. So we praise God for GAFCON and for the role that we're able to play in it. Yeah, and isn't it wonderful? And you and I have both worshipped at the same events uh, in in GAFCON when we've gathered most recently uh, in Jerusalem in 2018. The producer of our podcast, Reverend Mark Steele, was was also there. And again, it, I came away from that event, um, Bishop, thinking, Anglicanism is in such a healthy place biblically. It's in such a healthy place in a representative way of the nations of the world. And it's in such a healthy place because a huge proportion of the uh, attendees were younger than me. Uh, And uh, I was so excited. Um, I was so excited about that. Uh, I think um, you and my good friend, Archbishop Laurent Mbunda, know each other well. Uh, Tell us about your relationship. <laughs> yeah, I, I know Laurent. Uh, we we met at uh, Gafcon Primates, obviously, um, and we're hoping that he's going to be joining us soon when we officially launch Gafcon SA, um, which will incorporate all uh, Anglicans who want to identify uh, with the Jerusalem Declaration here in South Africa from both denominations, uh, and we do have good relationships with some in the Church of the Province or. As or it's, as it's called now, AXA, uh, that are supportive of GAFCON. And, and again, that's a unifying move. And uh, Archbishop Mbanda is just such a wonderful gospel man who is working so hard here in Africa to encourage uh, Anglicans like us and others to, to keep standing for the truth uh, and not to waver. One of the things we've seen in Africa is that many dioceses and and uh, parishes even, are struggling just to keep going and survive. And the temptation often is a financial one uh, to compromise uh, on the Orthodox gospel. Uh, And so our fellowship and our partnership is actually proved to be a great encouragement to everyone to keep standing for the truth uh, and not to waver. So we're really enjoying our, our, our widening African relationships. Uh, and it's it's a great celebration for us, actually, uh, to be a part of that. So we 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 really enjoy that, uh, and are grateful for how Gafcon has facilitated that. Bishop across the United States at this present juncture, 
and around the world, we're seeing a heightened sense of racial tension. Uh, uh, you'll be aware of this. You'll see it on your screens. In fact, you live with it. Um, if there were two things you might suggest uh, for us to pray for with regards to our Christian witness in this time, what might they be? Hmm. Yeah, it is a great challenge. And and again, it's so easy to to pick a side and uh, and to uh, and to run with it. Uh, but the the thing for us as God's people is always to prayerfully return to the scriptures as our guide here, and uh, and to see how uh, reprehensible any form of prejudice or racism is in the gospel, and how it is right for us to stand against that. Uh, the important thing for us, of course, is is to do it um, uh, biblically, uh, and uh, that is our great struggle: is how we manage that going forward. Obviously, in our own country, we have a a, a long and shameful history uh, of that kind of racial division, uh, and so it's a high priority for us to to demonstrate uh, the unity we have in Christ uh, as all nations, tribes, and tongues in Christ, and we demonstrate that best through the gospel. Uh, it, it is the only way that we will see real change because it is only the gospel that can change the hearts of sinful men and women and undo the prejudices that can be so easily entrenched there. So prayer is so vital in that, and we're seeing how God is working in our denomination even in doing that, uh, changing the hearts of people who held very uh, ungodly positions in the past and how God has worked to change that. We see again and again that God can change the hardest of hearts. Uh, mm. That's why I'm presiding bishop now. I mean, there was no way I would be here in my own strength. It's it's only God's kindness in changing the hearts of stubborn sinners. Uh, and the same comes in these kind of uh, a, a challenges that we're dealing with right now in our world, where is this... Where we're having this almost violent reaction to deeply entrenched racial prejudice uh, in in uh, in the fabric of society and how that has been so damaged by it, uh, and and for us the challenge to our uh, churches is is uh, is to respond in such a way that we demonstrate our unity in Christ. Um, so, Bishop, so how best can we can we pray for you and reach South Africa uh, and strengthen this partnership together that we share uh, because of Jesus Christ? Mm. Well, thank you for that. There are many, many things, obviously, that uh, we're grappling with right now. Our whole world is in the midst of this coronavirus crisis, and uh, we're certainly feeling the effects of that here in South Africa. Uh, our churches have, have not officially begun meeting yet and haven't been able to meet for the last 80-odd days. So, um, so we certainly need your prayers as we start navigating forward in that as to how we, how we begin the first steps towards uh, meeting together, considering the risks and the rising numbers of infections that we are starting to see here in our country. Uh, how do we manage that and how do we manage our churches through that? And how do we maintain our mercy ministries to those who are struggling? We have many, many people out of work now. Uh, we have many soup kitchens that are feeding people in our different communities. Uh, the need is great and we really do need 
a God to multiply the loaves and fishes right now uh, in our country. So we value your prayers for that. Uh, and we also value your prayers for wisdom in how we go forward uh, uh, here in South Africa, particularly with uh, the many challenges relating to the different relationships of our Anglican churches here, the two big denominations, uh, and how we manage that, particularly with GAFCON uh, becoming the unifying uh, force that it is, so to speak, uh, in the Anglican communion. Uh, so we need your prayers for that, definitely. Well, it would be my great privilege uh, to pray one of those great prayers uh, from our prayer book uh, for you, for our ministry that we share, and for all of God's people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, who alone works great marvels, send down upon Reach South Africa your servant, our bishop, and the congregations entrusted to his care the life-giving spirit of your grace, shower them with the continual dew of your blessing, empower them to make disciples, and ignite in them a zealous love of your gospel. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Bishop Glenn, it's been great to have you uh, on this episode of Living Through the Word. Thank you for joining us. It's been a delight to be with you. Thank you for having me. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this is Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. <laughs>